Welcome to the Deep Dive, Emerald City Hockey's Seattle Kraken podcast. RJ, here we are for the first deep dive of August. We get to kick off all of our fun August content now. I'm super excited for all of that. But first, RJ, I, of course, have a question to you as our cold open. Can you think, like, like in your opinion, who on the Seattle Kraken would most likely have a 36th birthday cake that is Lion King themed with Rafiki holding up a fourth Stanley Cup that they are questing after? Oh man, you know, we uh we actually don't have to leave this one to guesswork, I think, Dylan. Well, we do if it's a Seattle Kraken member. Right, right. I I just think let's see. I, I who well, I was thinking who could get there by 36. Right. Um Maddie oh, Beneers. <laughs> yes, there we go. Maddie Beneers, final answer. Yes, the guy, was he born like four years after The Lion King came out? Um, Yeah. Uh, Yes, no, I just, I absolutely love that from Evgeny Malkin. Like, that's just. Yes. It's awesome. Awesome. The the quested, the, the, you're going on this quest for that fourth Stanley Cup. Here, here you go. It's it's the best. Yeah, no, fantastic. Great, great news to wake up to today. Just see like, oh, I know Dylan's going to love that. Yeah, no, it was, it really made my day already. Um, seeing that. Okay. So real, real stuff that we got to talk about before we get into the news, before we get into, uh, kind of the deep dive into things like the Ryan Donato contract and, and signing. I know everybody's pumped to hear us talk about that, but first RJ to really kick off our fun August content. Why don't you tell everybody about the mascot contest? Yes. So we have something I've really been looking forward to. We ran a what should the Kraken mascot be video over a year ago. I think it's been a year and a few months now. Yeah. Uh, and we had a really fun time with that. Dylan and I each uh, kind of made our own submissions for, you know, what we thought the Kraken mascot should be. And guess what? We're, we're coming up on August again. Kraken still don't have a mascot. So I thought we should do a second uh, second version of that, basically. But it's going to be better than the first one. And I know this because instead we want you to send us your ideas. And I'm sure you can come up with something that's a lot better uh, than what Dylan and I did. Uh, So yeah, we're going to have a Kraken mascot contest. Uh, So basically how it works is you'll send us your ideas, uh, DM us or email us and include a drawing, a name for the mascot, And then an optional short bio, if you want, kind of explain what the mascot's all about. You can do a backstory, totally up to you. You've got free reign creatively, and we will feature the best ones on an upcoming video. And the best part, the legendary Zoidberg, the Kraken's real unofficial mascot at this point, will be the judge, and he's going to choose a winner. So I'm really excited about this. Uh, everyone, get your mascot submissions in. You can you know, DM them to us at any of our social media. That's at Emerald City HKY on Twitter. Same thing on Instagram, Emerald City HKY. Or send us an email to contact at EmeraldCityHockey.com. Yeah, I am super pumped to see what everybody can come up with. Uh, it's been so fun just talking about this mascot saga, journey, whatever you want to call it with everybody over the course of the last year plus now. Um, we, of course, had so much fun, you and I, doing that first video we did, like you said, over a year ago now. Uh, it was a lot of fun, and I know a lot of people have been speculating. We talked about it all through the season. I mean, gosh, there were some of those some of those post-game lives where that was 
that was the thing keeping us all going, right? Everybody, like, it was just that kind of year. But I'm super excited to see what everybody can come up with. And, uh, you know, we'll see if if anybody can guess what the Kraken, assuming the Kraken eventually do come up with something themselves, if anybody can kind of get a get a read on that. I feel like we've got good odds. We get enough submissions in, like, you know, there's only so many ways you can go. I feel like we'll have something that, that might be pretty close. Yeah, no, I, I think so. And and I think you said it best in that, you know, how can we like improve on the video we did and, and all of that stuff? It's by removing us from the equation almost entirely. We're essentially That's just... That's always the answer, isn't it? Yeah, we're essentially just middlemen taking submissions and handing them over to Zoidberg. <laughs> <laughs> that's the length of our involvement in this, and I and I feel like that's appropriate. Um, all right, so super excited for that, and then all the other fun August content we've got coming up to to tide everybody over through the the black hole that is August when it comes to hockey news. Um, the question is, of course, though. I mean, we could we could just run like a a, a clicking timer, RJ, just for Kadri signing, because I feel like that's the only thing left. <laughs> That's the only thing we have left for August. Although we've got one more bit of fun content that I do want to quickly mention, and that's the Kraken crossword. Mm-hmm. Fun activity to kind of pass the time before the Kraken play again. Uh, it's on the website, emeraldcityhockey.com. Go check that out. See if you know all the answers. There are some pretty tough ones in there. Yeah, it's very tough. I mean, I I didn't know all the answers. <laughs> there you go. So you can do do the crossword that Dylan can't. That's That's the tagline. My inability to remember goaltending coaches comes back to bite me once again. <laughs> yep, there, there's a little hint on the first one. Yep. Uh, yes, no, that's that's been really awesome, and I, I love everybody talking about that in the Discord, too. Having a good time with it. Always always happy to see that. Um, all right, should we get, get on to the news here, RJ? Um, let's do it. All right, let's see. What, what, what thing you want to co- cover first? Obviously, we're going to talk in depth about the Ryan Donato signing, so I feel like that should... We should hold off on that for a bit. Should we talk jersey numbers first? Let's do that because I, I think we kind of forgot to do that last episode. Yeah. There was so much going on. Um, but yeah, I think that'd be a good thing to cover first. All right. So jersey numbers, RJ. Everybody's got one. Um, and things are... <laughs> I, I feel like I should have had <laughs> more. That's a great intro to the subject. <laughs> I feel like I should have had more for it, really. Um, yeah, so we, we got some, some news on jersey numbers for some incoming members of the team and then also... Uh, some rearranging of numbers for existing members of the team. So why don't you go ahead and give everybody the lowdown on uh, what's happening with jersey numbers. That's right. And this was some uh, breaking news kind of last week. And uh, credit to Circling Seattle Sports and and our buddy Charles for uncovering this. Uh, He did some good little detective work there, making sure that this was legit. Um, But yeah, so there's some new confirmed jersey numbers from Kraken players and I guess we'll start with the one that kind of headlines it all. Shane Wright will be number 51. Uh, That's, I know, big surprise. He did wear it in dev camp. He wore it in junior. We figured that was probably the most likely number. And uh, I guess this means Derek Pouliot probably isn't coming back, but kind of knew that. Uh, But yeah, Shane Wright gets his uh, his 51. It it looks great on a jersey. It really does. Um, And and good for him getting his uh, probably preferred number coming straight Mm -hmm. into the NHL. Yeah, well, like I said, I I read somewhere that he he chose that number kind of by design because it's not a very popular number. Kind of felt safe he could have it for a while and make it his own, and and he's certainly on his way to doing that. 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, quick aside, I did see the 51 Shane Wright jerseys ready to go yesterday at the Kraken Community Iceplex. They're in the store there. There are a whole bunch of them on the rack, uh, you know, ready to be sold. So I'm sure those will go fast. They'll have to make up some more of those. Um, and then I'm going to take a little detour uh, to the next new player number because I didn't know this one until yesterday. So I was looking at the rack of jerseys there and it was right, 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 right. And then I think there was a Yanni Gord behind there. And behind that, I saw number 45 and I'm like, OK, who who's that? I don't recognize a 45. It was Magnus Helberg. Let's there was go. a Magnus Helberg jersey on the rack. So like the Shane Wright jerseys were cool and all. But Dylan, you know me. You know that mm -hmm. the biggest thrill of that day for me was seeing the Magnus Helberg jersey there yep. pre-made on the jersey rack. Uh, so he will be number 45. Yeah, it, interesting and good to know. Um, you you love those those random oddball jerseys there, just like that one. Of course, your your Oscar Moeller Kings jersey always comes to mind whenever I think of jerseys and you, which I'm sure you're not always thrilled about. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I, yeah, wasn't wasn't the most proud of having a, a Kings jersey, kind of growing up a Sharks fan there. But Oscar Moeller, I, I just. I think that's a cool jersey to have. You only played, what, like 70 NHL games over a decade ago. Um, but nice, obscure jersey to have. I am proud of that one. Um, now, I have a question for you, Dylan. Before we leave the subject of Magnus Helberg, I, and I'm putting you on the spot here because, you know, I, I, I haven't brought this up to you in the past, but I know you studied Swedish or Lundqvist speak, as you call yes. it, growing up. Uh, Magnus Helberg is Swedish. I have a question because I've heard his first name a couple different ways, like out of context, not, not necessarily him, but that name, M-A-G-N-U-S. Magnus, of course, a very, you know, American type pronunciation, but I've heard it in all different ways, whether it's like, you know, German, Swedish, you know, whether there's Magnus or Magnus or like Manus. Um, do you know which one it is, Swedish-wise? I mean, we can ask him at, at training camp, but do you have any insight for me before I get there? No, I mean, you are putting me on the spot. I'm trying to... I'm I know, this is really putting you on the spot. I know, I know. I'm looking at it now, trying to remember all the different, like, grammar, you know, Is the G silent stuff. is what I want to know. I know. I We could we could try to find out here. Let's, let's try to find out together. I only bring this up because it's August. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we kind of got to stretch the content. But I was I was curious, though, as I was thinking about it. I'm like, you know what? Maybe Dylan would know. Yeah, let's let's find out here. I, I pulled up a pronoun. Okay. Sounds like the G's in there. Oh, Magnus. Okay. Magnus. Magnus? Okay. Yep. All right. The G's not silent. Magnus it is. Yeah. Thank you for your help there, Dylan. I was going to say, it's, 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 it's usually those mid-word mid K's is where everything can fall apart. <laughs> okay. I'll keep that in mind. Yeah, no, the, the K's I'm always uh, very wary of when looking at Swedish. <laughs> I don't know when it's the sh sound. Um all right, so now that we've got that sorted out, let's go to the next jersey number. Uh, thank you for taking that little detour with me, Dylan. Yes. Uh, and everyone listening, I appreciate you uh, going along with me there. So the next jersey number, number four, and that is Kraken's new defenseman, Justin Schultz. Mm -hmm. So number four, I believe that kind of makes sense for him. I remember him as number 19 coming into the NHL with the Oilers, which was kind of an odd number for a defenseman, I always thought. Um, but he was number four with the Penguins. Yeah. Uh, let's see. He was number two with the Caps. Is he number four anywhere else? Do you know, do you know what number I'm he was in college? I'm trying to remember what he was back at, Miss at Wisconsin. Let me see here. Justin Schultz. 
Wisconsin. see number six. Number six in okay. Wisconsin. So those numbers kind of bounced around a little bit. Yeah, but but what's the one thing they got in common there? Outside of the Edmonton thing, which I was gonna say single weird. digits, but aside from nineteen. I was gonna say even numbers single digits. Oh, that's true. Yep. You got two, four, six, and you know nineteen. Yeah, I was gonna say, you know you know why, right? Why? Because defensemen play in pairs. It's even numbers. I never thought of that. Yeah. Go and and how many? There's there's two per pair. You have a top four defense, which is generally where he finds himself. And then you got six defensemen suited up overall. That's how he rolls. Ask him about it come training <laughs> camp. He'll he'll corroborate this. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure you two are on the same page about that. Uh, we'll, we'll see if you're right there. All right, so Justin <laughs> Schultz, number four. You can just this ro- is great. I, I'm loving August already. I know. You can just roll up to him. Okay, Justin, welcome to the Kraken. So uh, my partner has has made this rumor about you. <laughs> I'd like to get your comments on it. <laughs> That's a perfect way to start off that player-media relationship. <laughs> You know, he'll be relieved to hear it's only about a jersey number. Yes, that so much thought has been put into it, I'm sure. (laughs) All right, so next jersey number, maybe you can find some kind of meaning behind this one. Mm -hmm. Uh, Number 30, Martin Jones. So he has normally been number 31 over the course of his career. I remember that was his number uh, with the Sharks. I think that was his number with the Kings as well. It was, and um, then 35 with the Flyers. Yep. But 31, of course, is taken by somebody else on the Kraken. wonder who that could be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Martin Jones will move his number to 30. Uh, for those who, you know, maybe, uh, you know, haven't been fans for, for quite as long or, or haven't, you know, don't kind of know, you know, about hockey numbers, at, you know, in depth, 30, you know, these numbers in the 30s are very common for goalies. Um, what is the story behind that, Dylan? Yeah, so back in the day when they were determining numbers, uh, like how they determined numbers, players didn't get to pick whatever. It was all just assigned based on like roster position all the way out. Um, and so that's and and so it would go all the way into the low twenties, sometimes the mid twenties, and then the the goalies would just be added on at thirty because you weren't going to have thirty roster players. And then over time, things loosened up, and and players could start choosing more from around you know the grouping of, of double digit <laughs> numbers, and uh, players could be all over the place. But yeah, that's that's originally why goaltenders were in their thirties was you know all the skaters would be like one up through, uh you know like twenty three or whatever, and then that. And that's also why a lot of like the original six teams, you'll see all the retired jersey numbers really t- can tend to be, you know, consolidated in that like one to 23 range, uh, just because back in the day, that's just what everybody was given. So that's uh, that's really the way it is. And then, of course, you know, uh, our our boy, our boy, RJ, uh, kind of mm-hmm. had to had to buck that system back a little while ago uh, with the jersey number. And uh, ruin everything for all goalies ever. You know who I'm talking about? Uh, let's see. I mean, the first name that comes to mind for a non-30 jersey is of getting Nabokov with number 20. But Yeah, there's that one. But but someone who, who went extreme and said, you know what? No, I'm, I'm the goaltender. Everything should start with me. That's probably not at all what he was actually thinking when he got this number. But right, who was the first number single, one then? Single digits. Was the first number one goalie? I don't know if he was the first number one one though, 
But certainly, who do, who do you associate with it? Number one, on Roberto Luongo. Yeah, and nobody can come close to that. Yeah, it's no, I, I retired league wide for goaltenders. Number one, Luongo. <laughs> there you go. I, I and but you got to put the whole like Strombone Twitter, you know, picture on the banner and everything. Oh yeah, of course, of course. Yep. So uh, that's. Goalie numbers are interesting. And then you've got like Andre Vasilevsky. I like that it's opening up now a little bit too. You've got like Vasilevsky with 88, you know, Drieger 60. Um, but yeah, Martin Jones going with the uh, the classical number 30 instead of his, you know, 31. Um, yeah, we'll see if it's uh, if it's good for him. I don't think he's worn 30 before. I, no, he hasn't. Not, not at least not at the NHL level. Yep. So hopefully that's good luck for him. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so the next jersey number, the final uh, new player jersey number that we have, and I probably should have gotten to this sooner given the magnitude say. of the signing. This is, okay, I'll, I'll tell you where the order came from. This is on the order in the order of the, the sticky note that the numbers were written on and <laughs> where this all comes from. So Burakovsky, actually, yeah, Burakovsky was last on that, I think. Um, so Andre Burakovsky... No surprise here because it's the number he wore with Colorado. It's not super common. Uh, he's wearing number 95 for the Kraken, so he'll keep that number, uh, you know, nice and nice and predictable there. Uh, you know, anything to say about Burakovsky keeping the number? No, I mean, other than, yeah, it's a little more uncommon. I feel like the late 90s uh, numbers get taken a lot. Obviously, there's the Gretzky 99, but, you know, you think of McDavid and stuff, it became more in style to choose the year you were born after Crosby, yep. uh, but it didn't really catch on until the, those late 90s born kids, if, I feel like. So uh, Burkowski may be a little a- ahead of the game going with the 95. Yeah, there were some few 91s I remember from around those, you know, those birth years mm-hmm. or 92. But yeah, uh, going with the 95 birthday. I, hey, I like that. I'm a 95 birthday. So uh, going with the number 95, good for him. Yeah, I think the most interesting of all the jersey number news has been is a player changing his jersey number, an already established Kraken player, a very good one too, deciding to change his jersey number, and that is Jared McCann. He is going from number 16 to number 19. So that makes some sense. Of course, he wore number 19 in junior. He wore number 19 with the Penguins. Uh, he did wear 16 with the Kraken last season because, of course, 19 was taken by Callie Yarncroke. Um, I don't know exactly how the jersey numbers were chosen. It's tough with an expansion team because yeah. nobody kind of has first dibs. Everyone has to sort this out. I'd imagine Yarncroke kind of maybe had some seniority there. He had been in the league a bit longer. Maybe that's why he got the pick. I'm just guessing. Uh, but anyway, Yarn Croak is, uh, is now gone. He went to Toronto, didn't he? Yarn Croak, yes. That's where he is now. He's in Toronto now. Yeah. And uh, number 19 has been freed up for Jared McCann. He decided to take it. I was going to say, I almost wonder if they went in expansion draft order. Like Nashville came before Ooh. Toronto and therefore, you know, Yarn Croak got interested on Jersey. Like everybody was just Maybe. on some big long text chain with Ron Francis, and so as he's do as he's doing the draft, they're like texting in their jersey number what they want. They draft their jersey numbers. There, yeah. it's the jersey number draft. Yeah, interesting. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's interesting. Uh, bringing it back, obviously, wore ninety one as well in uh in Vancouver way back in the day. So you you know kind of the inverted numbers there. So obviously these numbers are important to him. So I'm you know I'm glad he's getting his number. 
Yeah, me too. And especially as someone who's going to be a quarterstone player for the fran uh, for the franchise for a while, mm-hmm. you want him to have the number that he wants, and and probably someone who's going to sell a lot of jerseys too. That's going to be really important. Someone who already has sold a bunch of jerseys, and I know that's kind of the number one thing that people talked about when this news broke is, oh, I have a McCann jersey. What do I do now? Um, and I thought it'd be good to kind of get your take on that uh, because you got some options, right? It's it's the McCann jersey. You get the number change. Now, I will say some teams, I don't know if the Kraken are going to do this, but some teams have uh, offered to change that number for free if you take it into a, you know, a team store or whatever. Don't know if the Kraken are going to do that. They might, they might not. Um, but what should fans do? What do you think? I personally, if it was me, I would keep the 16 jersey because odds are it's got the inaugural season patch because it was the inaugural season. So I feel like having those two things together, it it just kind of shows you were there from the beginning. You were involved in it all as that first season was getting underway, as the franchise was getting underway, you were there supporting everybody, all that kind of stuff. Like, I feel like that has a lot of meaning and stuff attached to it. Um, I could see if, you know, this is year five of the Kraken and like you just became a fan and you had gotten this McCann Jersey and then he decides to change his number. I could see then I would, I would, I might change it if it was me, um, something like that. If you, if it wasn't so involved in everything else, but like I said, these jerseys, most likely you've got that inaugural season patch on there. So having the original number from that season, that's going to be something you're you're probably going to want to have later together, just from like a, you know, remembering and nostalgia standpoint. So I personally, I'd keep it 16. What about you? I agree. I think that, um, it's kind of cool to see those jerseys where you know that, oh, yeah, that guy's there from the beginning. The inaugural patch is huge. If it's got that patch yeah. on it, don't change the number. Or, you know, if you're going to change, I guess you can't take off the patch too easily. But anyway, don't do that. Don't take off the patch. I would I would keep it as is. I think it's really cool to have kind of this, that one-off, one-season thing. Mm-hmm. Growing up a Sharks fan, I always thought it was really cool to see someone if they had a jersey that was even a Pavelski number 53 mm-hmm. jersey before he changed his number to eight. Yeah. I'm like, oh, man, you know, you were there from the beginning of that, you know, or getting a Bokov number 35 jersey because he wore that coming into the league before changing to 20. Uh, I, I always thought that was a little special kind of seeing a jersey like that or Patrick Marlowe number 14. You know, he's mm-hmm. a legend. We all know him as number 12, but he's, he came into the league wearing number 14. Uh, to see a jersey like that, it was, you know, especially rare. And I thought really cool. Yeah, or those 61 Corey Perry jerseys. Oh, yeah. Those, that's very <laughs> rare. I don't know how many of those I've ever seen. Uh, I assume they're out there somewhere. But exactly. Uh, I think uh, it'd be a good idea to keep the 60 just, just for that alone. Yeah, I agree. And and everybody's everybody knows what's up. Like nobody's going to like come up to you like 10 years from now and, and punk you like, what the heck, man? You got this 16 McCann jersey. Wrong number. Like, don't you know anything? Yeah. Like nobody's going to do that. Everybody understands what's going on. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would I would probably keep it and remember it. And, you know, because that's that's what these jerseys are anyway. It's, it's to remember those players, remember those teams, remember where you were when you got it and all the stuff around it, all the games you wore your jersey to, all that kind of stuff. So. I think you got to keep it as is. Agreed. Um, all right. So that's that's it for jerseys. Wow. We, we were really able to stretch that segment out, RJ. Jersey numbers. <laughs> Aren't you glad I, I asked for the pronunciation of Magnus on there? Yeah. Yes. That was, that was fun. Um, get to listen. We'll see how the audio turns out. Coming off my laptop in front of my mic. <laughs> if it sounds any good. 
Um, all right, let's see what else. What else we got for news? There was some. There was some other news. Uh, should we talk? Should we talk, RJ, about the ECHL, everyone's favorite yes. league? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, how often do we get to talk about the ECHL on here? We should take every chance we get. Yes, we do. Quick, what's it stand for? Was it East Coast Hockey League? I believe so. I wasn't actually. You you scared me there. I'm like, wait, is this a trick question? So used to those from you. Um, Yes, it's the East Coast Hockey League. So, RJ, real quick, why don't you tell us where on the East Coast the Kraken's affiliated ECHL team's going to be? Yes, on, on the uh, east coastal city of uh, Kansas City. <laughs> yes, that's right. But we, you know, we we finally got an ECHL team. This this is the moment where you know you've arrived is when you have an ECHL affiliate because that means like okay, everybody needs the AHL team just to supplement roster players and everything with the NHL level, all that stuff. But I feel like you haven't officially joined the NHL club until you've really got that that development pipeline and and all that stuff really set up and so i think this is a really big deal for the kraken to get this all jokes aside yes it really is it's helpful the kraken used uh, you know their their echl affiliation a bit last season too i luke henman the first ever uh, you know kraken signee was sent down to the echl for a little bit um you know kind of got some development work in sent back to the ahl and i think it you know improved his game it is helpful especially when you have that full ahl roster in coachella valley you have your own real system now uh to have a place where you can kind of send guys uh you know to maybe get a little work in or or just you know at a different level it can really help some players and there are a number of players who you know spent time in the echl and it's really kind of shaped them in a way that's allowed them to get even up to the ahl and the nhl um so i I think it's good to have that affiliation agreement um and you know geographically you know it's not that big a deal you know location wise i know some people you know were thinking maybe like the you know idaho steelheads or something you know maybe wanting it closer but Given the the back and forth, you know, between, you know, ECHL and NHL, there's really not a whole lot of that. So, um, you know, even though it's on, you know, in Kansas City, which, you know, is on the west coast of Missouri, <laughs> if Kansas was an ocean, yes. um, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's still a good deal geographically. Yeah, I, th- I think it's going to be fun for them. Uh, you could, you know, kind of build a, a, a fan base around those parts. It's not a bad place to be at all. Um, pretty decently sized city compared to most ECHL like markets and stuff. So, you know, I think that's a win for sure. And then RJ, to put you on the spot as we can just keep doing this game back and forth throughout the podcast. Do you know who the general manager and head coach of the Kansas City Mavericks? Because that's the team name, everybody. I guess we should mention that. Well, yes, uh, we should definitely do that. <laughs> Do you know who the general manager and head coach were, at least through last season? I'm assuming they're still there. Uh, I don't know offhand. I, I should know this. You should, because this name is awesome. It is Tad okay. Ohad. What? Tad Ohad. At least that's what Wikipedia is telling me, so maybe it's just Wikipedia shenanigans. But <laughs> got to oh, love that, that is one. that is an A-plus tier name, Tad Ohad. Oh, that's that's great. There we go. Yep. Uh, Native of Washington. So there we go. Really? Yes. Okay, so we definitely should have heard of him then. I know. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Yeah, I'm I'm just trying to check, see, like, uh, where around he he played and stuff back in the day, because I'm sure it's in there. Uh, Let's see. 
you you say stuff so I can read. <laughs> okay, because I I'm I'm looking here. Let's see, Cocho involved himself in hockey growing up and playing yeah. in Tri Cities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, where he found himself drawn to the defensive side of the sport. Ah, yes. Okay, good man. That fits good man. With the organizational philosophy. Uh, went on to play for Millbrook Prep in New York, Oops. upstate New York. There you go. Yeah, interesting. Lots of interesting stuff in here from good old Coach Ohad. Opportunity to work in Russia with the Olympic Development Program. Wow, this is wow. like a, a uh, hockey will take you places. I know yeah. it really will. This is like a fun little bio on the KC Mavericks website. Everybody, you should go check it out. Go check out. Yeah, uh, would recommend the Tad Ohad one here. All right, there we go. All so right. yeah, and he's only forty-one. That's a promising career here. Yeah, so there we go. That's that's uh, the ECHL affiliate, the K Kansas City Mavericks. Uh, gonna be fun for that if if you know you're ever traveling through the country, middle of hockey season, yeah. go see a game. Absolutely. Uh, all right. So there was some like Kraken adjacent news that happened. Uh, within the division is what I'm speaking of. Uh, I feel like we should go ahead and, and touch on it before we get into Donato, because once we get into Donato, everybody's gonna just you know lose their minds because it's Ryan Donato. Uh, that's what that's what tends to happen. As they should. As they should. As, as they, they should. should. Agreed. Uh, but I think we should really quick touch on the fact that John Kleinberg did sign in the division, although I put mm. an asterisk there uh, that we can talk about, and then obviously <laughs> the the major shakeup in Calgary with um, you know them not just losing. Uh, Johnny Hockey, but now also having lost Matthew Kachuk. So I, I feel like we should talk about those just because that will affect the Kraken as the Kraken try to make this push towards the playoffs this year. These are two teams, well, certainly Calgary. I don't know about Anaheim, but it's it's a team that's going to stand between them and a playoff spot. Yes, uh, the landscape of the division did change pretty significantly with those mm -hmm. moves, uh, especially that the you know Matthew Kachuk blockbuster trade yeah. uh, where the Flames you know they're in a tough spot they lost johnny gaudreau already they were gonna have to move matthew kachuk and i think overall they did pretty well as far as the return goes getting you know jonathan huberdo and mackenzie Weger as part of the return coming back yeah well the the whole thing with like the huberdo aspect of it is he's only got one year left on his deal right so that's... Yeah, I mean, there's there's a good amount of uncertainty there, you know, and Uyghur as well. I mean, those guys are going to to need extensions, at, you know, at some point mm -hmm. or another if the Flames can get that done. Um, but at least for this season, and I think that's where it relates to Kraken the most, right. because this is one of those teams you're going to have to jump over if you realistically want to make the playoffs, I think. Yeah. Um, and the Flames, at least for now, don't get a whole lot worse. You could argue they maybe even get better. Yeah, yeah, you could in the sense that it's. I, I think we combined with losing Goudreau. I don't think well, yeah, combined that argument because yeah, it's not. like you had you had two <laughs> really good players leave to get back like one really good player and one pretty good. Player. Yeah, I was just talking about this trade specifically. Yeah, yeah, with this trade, it's it's pretty good. I mean, it's two for one. That's always better, right? <laughs> like at some point, um, <laughs> assuming one of them's not like a dead weight contract or something. Um, it's it's an interesting move. Overall, looking at their offseason, because that's really what we should be looking at as far as how it's going to affect the Kraken. I don't know. I think Calgary got worse. I think long-term Calgary's worse. Huberto's certainly older than both of the other yes. two guys. Um, and like we said, I don't know that he's going to re-up and stay in Calgary past this year either. Because like he's going to get paid big bucks. 
hitting the free agent market next year. So it'll be interesting to see if Calgary wants to pony up for him or if they're going to start maybe rebuilding too. Like they're, they're in a really difficult situation now because of this, all their kind of age has left the building for the most part. So, um, you know, young players that is, except on defense. Um, so it's, it's going to be interesting. I feel like Calgary's worse. I don't know that Calgary can be penciled into a playoff spot anymore because of this. Uh, and that just a div- div- division as a whole, as we saw the Kings last year, kind of show up a little earlier than expected. I think they're going to be back in that playoff conversation. Edmonton's going to be there, you know, as long as that all their crew is, is rolling. Um, and then you're going to have Vegas bounce back, which is going to be huge. So, you know, if I was a betting man, which I am, I'd, I'd say that the three guaranteed playoff spots in the division are going there. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I, you know, the Kraken improved a lot as we've talked about. I don't know that they've improved enough to catch up to those teams. Um, but I, I, yeah, I don't know that Calgary is going to be super competitive. I mean, do you think we'll talk about this obviously more with the Klingberg Anaheim contract? Do you think that there's a chance if they're not in a playoff spot, they'd flip Huberdo? Like if contract talks this off season go nowhere and they're going to be losing him next off season, they, they flip him. And in which case that team's really going to be out of the equation. I think so. If you feel like you can't sign him, you have to, you can't essentially get nothing mm-hmm. out of either Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk. You just can't do that. So if they feel like they can't sign him by the deadline, I think they have to flip him. Uh, and you know, if they're, out of the race or, or not, you know, solidly in the playoff race. I think they have to do it. Um, and I think you kind of hit on this point that it's really what matters for the Kraken is that long-term the flames are not going to be as good as they otherwise would be losing Johnny Gaudreau for sure. And then with the uncertainty regarding Huberdo, and even if they do resign him, he's older. Uh, I think this kind of clears another team out of the Kraken's real window to compete, which mm-hmm. as we've discussed is probably, you know, two to three years down the road when all these prospects, uh, you know, really can kind of hit their prime. Um, and so overall it's, it's good news for Seattle. Yeah, agreed. Um, I just think anytime you have two 40 goal scorers, hundred point guys, leave your room. That's, I mean, I know you're bringing in Huberto. He's he's good, but it, it, he's good for 30 goals. That's his absolute max, as we've seen. And then really this last year, kind probably going to be seen as a point outlier. The 115 that he put up this year, probably going to be an outlier. Never reached uh, 100 points before that. His previous high was 92. Never been in the 80s before. You know what I mean? Like before that year even. So or or outside of that year. So I I just I just think they've they've gotten worse um, overall because of these moves and then we'll also see at some point the whole Daryl Sutter coaching thing is going to implode too I mean that's that's really like a three-year window you give any team with him as we've talked about in the past um and and you know this will be year two and a half <laughs> yep, and potential cracks starting to show yeah we'll just say that pretty significant ones I'd say so yeah that, that one's interesting um I think the fact I think the the, the flames and the Kraken might be on par with each other this year I could really see yeah. that. And, and looking I think at those two good. lineups, it could be close. Yeah. And I think that's really good for the Kraken. Certainly those games should be a little more competitive than the ones we saw last year. Oh yeah. And that's, that's, oh, yeah. that's good for the Kraken. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, John Klingberg kind of shocking the world, signing a one year, $7 million deal in Anaheim. And at first I was like, what? But then it became quickly obvious that, well, look, Anaheim's just trying to get to the cap floor right now. And they're in a great spot to, at the deadline, flip him somewhere and retain 50% of the salary, which is the max you can retain uh, to get to, you know, allow him to go compete for a cup this season and um, 
and and Anaheim can you know get some pieces back as they continue their rebuild. Exactly. It makes a ton of sense for the Ducks if Klingberg's willing to sign for you for a one-year deal. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's really a no-lose situation. I mean, either he helps you to be better than you expect and, and maybe even make the playoffs with kind of your young core, or more likely, you know, you're not really in the race come the trade deadline. You flip him for assets and it, you just get more fuel to to add to the, to the core when it does, you know, get ready to compete. So I think great deal for Anaheim. Tough go for Klingberg. He fired his agent a few days before signing this deal. I think everyone can kind of see that he didn't, that he or his representation didn't really, uh, you know, play this the best. Uh, their opportunity to go get a long-term deal has to settle for a one-year contract. And um, you know, he, Klingberg was one of those players that was rumored to be maybe going to the Kraken. He was someone mm -hmm. that supposedly Seattle was interested in and, I think teams ultimately shied away from that term. It certainly sounds like that, given what um, Elliot Friedman reported uh, on the you know, 32 Thoughts podcast the other day, that teams are really shying away from these long-term deals. Most of them wanted three-year or one-year terms. Yep. And uh, I think this is also a good sign, seeing how it all turned out, that Ron Francis didn't give in and give Klingberg the kind of term that he wanted. Because as we had talked about before, that would have been a mistake. Yes. We both were agreed on that. Um and so it's good. I think it shows that Francis stuck to his guns because I think if he did offer, you know, seven times six and a half, seven times seven, Klingberg probably would have taken that, mm -hmm. given what we know other teams did. So um, good on Ron Francis there. And I know this has been mentioned, you know, a little bit since the Klingberg signing, but maybe he's even a Kraken deadline acquisition if they're in the hunt. You know, he still fits what they need. There still is that hole on defense for Seattle, you know, and or maybe they go at it, you know, next off season to maybe a shorter term deal, even though I know he's going to be now really looking for term and money next off season. But maybe you find something that works. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, I, I agree. It seems like the term was the sticking point with him and, and all the teams and nobody was really willing to go there. I think overall, we've, we've talked about this going back to pre crack in expansion draft right gms as a whole have gotten smarter like there has been a real like you know bump in iq league-wide amongst gms uh these last couple seasons and i feel like this off season both with him as i mentioned at the very beginning of the podcast Kadri still hasn't signed right like five years ago those guys would have been given max deals like that's just the way it would have been you know what i mean and here we are now where you know, Klingberg has to settle for this one-year, $7 million deal. I'm actually surprised he couldn't get more willing to settle on a one-year term uh, than even mm -hmm. $7 million. That one, That was the bit that surprised me most of all was the was the money. Um, but you did talk about it. I, I think the thing we should talk about is, do, do we see him as a deadline target? Let's say the Kraken are holding on to the third playoff spot come the deadline, Okay. And they're they're just ahead of L.A. because that's probably the most reasonable person to say. Um, they're like they're like two points ahead of L.A. for that final that final playoff spot coming out of the Pacific. Do you want them to bring in Klingberg? If if the power play is still maybe a struggle, you're still trouble you know having trouble finding somebody to take over that power play one quarterback duties, um, and you know the hole on the right side especially is still there. You know, Justin Schultz starts showing his age. He's not really able to keep up. We know his analytics are kind of questionable at some things, right? That's that's looking like an issue. I mean, are you open to the Kraken trading in division for somebody like a John Kleinberg in that scenario? 
I think as with everything, it depends on the price, but I think the price would probably require a first round pick. It would be a first. Like that's, that's pretty standard and set going back a long ways in NHL history. (laughs) Agreed. So I I think if the price is a first round pick, I still wouldn't do it just because I think, especially if if you're looking at maybe you're in a playoff spot, things are going well for you. Uh, You know, the, the core has worked. Uh, you know, the goaltending is rebounded. Everything is working the way you hope and things are looking bright for the future. And I think at that point, there's no reason to rush it. Um, you know, you, there's no reason to get desperate. You now know that you have a team that's probably going to be really competitive for the next four or five years. Mm-hmm. And I think having that asset, having that draft pick, having that prospect that's still in the range of that core of Beniers and Shane Wright is going to help you a lot more long term than Klingberg will just help you as a rental. Yeah, agreed. Unless you really think, yeah, no, there's no way. Because even if the Kraken are a playoff team this year, which would certainly be surprising to the upside, I think, for most of us, um, you're probably not going to be a true competitor. And I don't know that Klingberg would would solidify everything for you. Uh, I think if if defense is really like lagging behind and that's the thing that's keeping you like you're, you know, you're able to score like three and a half goals a game. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, goaltending looks really good, but defense is really just the thing letting you down in the power play. Like maybe, 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 cause you're talking a lower first at that point too. And you've got three yep. seconds still like that's, that's when you start getting into that. But I don't know that all those other things are going to be lined up that way for the Kraken this year. So, uh, yeah, I, I probably wouldn't be in favor for it, especially cause you got to think Anaheim would put a little bit of a in division tax on it. Because he'll, oh, they I, would I'm have sure. other suitors, so they would have other suitors. So I, I, I just don't think that it's gonna work out. Um, but there's always next off season, and there's always PK Subban. That's true. <laughs> yes, he's he's still out there. Who knows? Who knows where he'll be come trade deadline time? Um, you just gotta love the names real quick before we get to Ryan Donato here, because I just like stringing everybody along with this Ryan Donato thing. Just looking at the <laughs> the top unrestricted free agents list here on the Cap Friendly homepage, based on last you know, the previous cap hit: Subban, Kessel, Bergeron, Louis Erickson, Anton Strallman. Like, what year is it, RJ? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, let's see, 2014. That's, I feel like something around there. That's what I was just thinking. 2014. Uh, fun stuff, but uh, I think the time is now, RJ, to talk. Ryan Donato, are you guys are you going to say something? Yes, like like Ron Francis, we've left everyone waiting yes. for a long time. We really uh, have. We felt that was fitting. Mm-hmm. I felt like enough people were cursing at us to finally get around to talking about him, uh, just like Ron That's Francis right. probably was feeling. Uh, yeah, so we could talk about Ryan Donato re-signing with the Kraken, one-year term, at uh 1.2 right where does this go it's 1.2 yeah, 1, 1. 1. for some reason he's not on their cap friendly page don't know where he went uh, <laughs> oh, they have him i think buried in the yeah NHL yeah he's, st- he's still buried which, yeah come on come, come on. on yeah i don't think that's going to happen with him um first off obviously we're happy to have him back that's that's the first and foremost thing uh totally fine on the money i think that's right kind of around where we thought he'd be given the year he had last year and everything um you could even say maybe it's a little on the lower side um the one year term you're obviously not making seattle his forever home which was kind of you know for certainly for some in the fan base striatic uh it was that was certainly you know <laughs> what everybody was pushing for um so i guess 
the first thoughts I want from you on this is what do you think of the one-year term? I think as much as, you know, some of us wanted, you know, Seattle to be Donato's forever home, I think the one-year term makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, looking at it from that cold kind of calculating rationale, it makes a lot of sense for Seattle. He had a career year last year. Any team probably wants to see more to know that a player can replicate that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's fair at the end of the day. Uh, and, and it provides you some flexibility going, you know, to next season, looking at the lineup and we'll look at that more in depth later, but you know, he's going to have to compete for a spot and with someone who is not really guaranteed a set spot in the lineup, you know, you don't want them locked into a lot of term in case they don't win that spot. Now I'm confident that he's going to put up a good fight and, and has everything it takes to win that spot. But given the level of uncertainty, I have no problem with the one year term. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I'm in that same boat. I feel like, you know, obviously he had a career year as far as, you know, points, goals, all that kind of stuff, uh, as, as we've talked about. But as as far as like watching him, what he was bringing to the crack and all that kind of stuff, I think the, the one thing we can really say he absolutely brought to this team that was super useful and really would make a difference, you know, shift to shift kind of thing was his forechecking ability. Uh, his forechecking ability was super strong. He was always able to, you know, bang bodies there in the corners. He was always able to win puck battles, all that kind of stuff. Um, just keep the puck in the offensive zone. It's all really important stuff, but it's also stuff that you can find with lots of guys in your bottom six, you know, in that bottom six range. Like you can find that out there in free agency. Um, started off scoring super hot. I, only finished with the 16 goals, though. Obviously, on this Kraken team, that, that looked very impressive. But in the grand scheme of things, I don't know how great that was. And I do feel like the one-year term kind of says, okay, prove you can do that again. Because I, mm -hmm. I think it's I think it's safe to have questions about whether or not that that's repeatable. Um, I really do. Uh, he does have upsides in the sense that we know he can play with Beneers. Uh, that's, that's yes. important that they have chemistry and they can, you know, veneers can find him in good spots, all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know. I just feel like, you know, there was, there's lots of opportunities for him to really set himself apart from guys, really set himself up that he had, and he wasn't able to seize last year. I mean, there was opportunity. He could have, he could have turned into their power play beast. You know what I mean? We'd be talking, you know, five, six year term at like three and a half million if he had seized and was like the one guy who could score on this power play last year. You know what I mean? And he finished with like 23 goals or something with like 13 on the power play. You know what I mean? Like, like there, there was opportunity there. There was opportunity with that. Uh, we saw as the course of the year went on, right. Kind of falling down the depth chart um, in and out of the lineup at times, even so. Yeah, I, I think I think as much as everybody wanted this to be more, I, I feel like this is appropriate, all things considered. Yes, and especially looking at kind of the market for, you know, players like that, what what's happening in the NHL, too, is it's stars in depth and, and kind of that middle class of players getting squeezed, especially someone who might be on that lineup bubble. But one thing I thought was really interesting was – what it turns out the market for Donato was because we wasn't, we weren't really sure when, mm -hmm. you know, there hadn't been a deal signed. You're into the second week of free agency. You're thinking, you know, are, are there other teams that are involved, you know, giving him offers or is it just a situation where 
you know, teams just didn't see anything they like. Maybe he's even heading to Europe. You know, you just don't know what the market for him is. And I, we got some interesting insight uh, from Elliot Friedman on 32 Thoughts. Um, apparently, he's reporting that Donato had bigger numbers on the table in free agency. Uh, but he returned to the Kraken because, and I think the quote is, he thinks he's going to be in a position to score there. So I thought that was very interesting uh, and really makes me wonder also, you know, what was the discussion there with him and Ron Francis regarding opportunity, regarding lineup position? Because I'm here thinking maybe he's got to compete for a fourth line spot. Yeah. And if he had bigger offers on the table elsewhere, but he feels that he's going to score in Seattle, that doesn't mean fourth line role. Right. Right. That that means something with a little bit more opportunity there. So I do wonder what the organization has in mind for him. And I wouldn't automatically think that it's something higher based on not qualifying him based on waiting until this far into free agency. I don't know. It, it feels like some mixed signals there. I mean, what do you make of all of that? It's really interesting. Um, really, the only thing I could think of is they're going to give him a shot to play with Beneers that they liked what they saw with him being on Benier's wing and that that's on the table for him. Because uh, I have to imagine that's his only path to being in a top six role here or anywhere. And so he decided, hey, I'm going to roll the dice on one year and, and see if I can be there. Because otherwise, we, could we can you know kind of start talking about him as far as the overall lineup. I'm looking at it and he's, you know, fifth on the left side now. Like if, if you know, like assuming McCann slides over to the left side, which he will, um, he's now fifth on the on the thing. As we all know, you run four lines in hockey. That, <laughs> that means he's not out there. So um, I'm really curious about it. Uh, obviously, I think he's he's going to have opportunity at power play time in Seattle, just because everybody should at this point, just to see what works. Um, but he had it last year, and like I said, he didn't exactly capitalize it on capitalize on it then. So I am curious about it. I can't imagine that Ron Francis or Hackstall or whoever he was talking to was guaranteeing him a spot in a certain role because teams just don't do that. You know what no, I mean? No, they don't. So I I can't imagine it was it was some like guarantee from from them that oh yeah you're gonna start the year on Beniers's wing and we'll see what happens kind of thing. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't know other than he just liked the atmosphere, he likes the building, he likes the team, he likes all that stuff that would draw him back. I just, I don't know, looking at him in regards to this overall lineup, where this better opportunity to score is. And and that's kind of segues into the next question I was going to ask you is, does this make sense for him ultimately? Because looking at the lineup, I, I don't know where he fits. I, I don't think he had any real assurances that he might play with mm -hmm. Beniers or anything like that. You know, maybe he, he maybe felt like that might be the case. But, you know, he had apparently bigger numbers on the table in free agency. It's hard to say exactly where or what those situations were. Um, but, you know, do you think this made sense for him? If you were in his shoes, you know, as as much as we all want <laughs> Ryan Donato yeah. in Seattle, like, you know, w would you have resign there only if i felt like this was the place where i had a chance to play with somebody like maddie Beniers. and and even you know obviously you're not getting guaranteed that or anything but if you feel like hey we really gelled last year he really likes me maybe he's hanging out with him during the off season um you know conversations around the building was that the two of you were good together all that kind of stuff like if all that stuff's going on then i do think it's worth the one-year gamble to take, you know, let's say a, a million less. 
to try to set yourself up for the true like you know forever changing contract afterwards mm -hmm. because you played with a guy like maddie whereas i have to assume anywhere else they probably weren't really offering him term my guess is his term was maxed out at two if that um yep. so the the contracts he was probably being offered one and a half 1.8 yeah i'd i'd maybe take a little less for the for the opportunity if you really do feel like you have that opportunity on the table so you mentioned playing with Baneers a few times. Mm -hmm. uh, that or that reminds me of something you would you would kind of always tell me about you know those Penguins teams that you mm -hmm. follow and that you liked so much about finding players to play with your stars and it doesn't have to necessarily be the best players it just has to be the right ones stylistically mm -hmm. chemistry wise. Do you think this could be a situation like that where you know you get someone you know like to play on Crosby's wing or Malkin's yeah. wing who again maybe not the best player but the chemistry's there. Yeah, exactly. I, I I was trying to think of like a good joke of Ryan Donato being like, you know, the uh, Pascal Dupuis or Chris Kunitz of this <laughs> team, right? Obviously, the longtime wingers of Sidney Crosby, uh, Chris Kunitz, aquatic bird legend. Just going to throw that one out there. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and I think that that is important. I don't know that like the Kraken are necessarily thinking that way just because you brought in a lot of other guys this offseason that you I'm sure they're thinking they want to see play with Beneers and, and see what kind of chemistry is there with him. But we saw it on Maddie's first point in the NHL, right? It was a no look cross zone pass to who, but Ryan Donato who buried that shot, who found an open spot behind the defense and Maddie being the really, really good player that he is while circling the zone, found him, saw that out of the corner of his eye, held on, sucked in an extra defender to make sure he had that passing lane, and then just no looks it tape to tape to Ryan Donato. You know what I mean? Like, there is something to be said for that. We know from other pairings, like, Beneers didn't make passes like that to just anybody. It was really, it was McCann and Donato. So there's obviously something there when it comes to how Beneers sees the ice, what he wants to be doing out there, and their ability to get open, get behind the defense, read what he's doing, and, and be in a spot where he likes to then send the puck. There's a lot of that stuff, and it's and it's easy to say, like, oh, you should be able to watch video of Matty Beneers or practice with him and be like, oh, he does this or whatever. But it is a different thing to all players will revert back to their own tendencies come game time. Like that, that is just something that happens. That's why, you know, 35 year olds are still watching tape and going through practice at all. Right. Like it's because you're always working against player tendency. You're always working against what just naturally feels right and good for you. And so I, I do think that there is something of, you know, it's like insurance for the Kraken. Let's say Bjorkstrand, you know, I've talked about, I think Bjorkstrand should be a good fit with Beneers, but let's say they're not. Let's say they both think at a high level, but they think completely differently. It's like a right brain, left brain kind of thing. Mm. And Bjorkstrand doesn't work. Um, we know Eberly can work, but it's it's kind of, you know, just whatever, you know, with Beneers. Let's say he's, a, he's got a cold streak, you know, he's yeah, a streaky exactly. player. Let's say he's just not working right now. I, exactly. Um, that's where you're going to want Ryan Donato. Because you're not going to be like, oh, let's like throw Donskoy up there or Colind or something. You know what I mean? Like you'd much rather mm -hmm. have Donato in that scenario. So I see why he would be around with the Kraken there. Um, I've, I've all along questioned Burakovsky 
with Beneers. I, I don't see a lot of overlap as far as how they like to play the game. Now, it could be one of those things where that works perfectly. You know, opposites attract, we'll find out. Um, but I just think that for the Kraken, it makes a lot of sense. And for Donato, I, that's the only thing I can think of is he's counting on that chemistry that was clearly there last year following over into this season. Yep, And we know that he's someone last season who really believed in himself mm-hmm. uh, and when his confidence is going, I mean, that's, that's a powerful force for him. And, um, you know, I know he, he, you know, thinks deeply about, you know, what decisions he, he should make and all of that and, and really kind of trust what's right for him. So I, I think deciding to stay in Seattle, it, you know, it, it kind of tracks with, with how he, uh, how he plays, you know, the game, how he, he makes his decisions and, and also just, you know, how happy he seemed here. Yeah, uh, that's something that, you know, we kind of touched on a little bit, but it's something that certainly ev- all the fans saw, everybody saw is just how much he loved it in mm-hmm. Seattle. I mean, come on, he goes to Pike Place to go get his uh, fresh produce. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he goes to local dog parks, enjoys the local restaurants. You know, he loves it in Seattle. And it's just great to see him, you know, back to being here and, and having at least one more year of security. Um and uh, yeah, looking forward to to more goals from him, more awesome calls. I, I got to get this, you know, the it's not delivery, it's Donato yes. from Everett Fitzhugh. Uh, one of my favorite calls of the season for sure. Um, yeah, I, I actually, um, the after, the day after that game, I, I talked to Fitz. I'm like, hey, where, like, where'd you come up with that? That was awesome. He's like, yeah, it just kind of came to my mind. And he mentioned actually there was a Donato's Pizza in Cincinnati where he used to call games. And I guess something just clicked there. But uh, great call from Fitz. And um, I don't know, just all the great Ryan Donato memories I, mm-hmm. I you know think about as, as soon as the signing was announced. So it's cool to see him back. Yeah, for sure. So RJ looking at this, you know, Armchair GM on Cap Friendly now. I'm, Here we go. I'm looking at five full lines at forward, which obviously is not going to be the case going into the season. <laughs> Somebody's going to have to be sent down. Somebody's going to have to get out of here from a forward standpoint. Who do you think it is, RJ? Yeah, looking at, you know, I've got a projected lineup here, and um, you're basically, you need one of, you know, kind of geeky, Lind. Uh, Donato, Shane Wright, uh, you know, one of those guys basically has to go down. Coolman. And, um, I mean, well, it's tough because Shane Wright is a whole other conversation. I mean, we could yes. talk for yeah. half an hour about whether he's ready or not. But assuming he stays up, and, and I think he will to start the season, certainly. I think he'll get at least his nine games or agreed on that. Um, maybe. I don't know. I don't know if we're agreed on that. Yeah, but, I mean, I, I think that's that's the most likely case scenario right now. I'm still kind of holding that. I want to see him at training camp when he's not the star attraction, like at development camp. Okay. So if, if Shane Wright, you know, goes back to junior, that takes kind of, it takes care of that. Mm-hmm. But yeah. if he stays up, cause that's where, where this, the real conversation is here. Um, it, it's tough. I mean, it's geeky Linder Donato. Mm-hmm. And so much of that is going to hinge on training camp. Seeing, you know, how it fits as, as far as, you know, the lines go, really bring you different things you know donato you probably want playing in a more offensive role you know if you can put him with veneers that's fantastic it frees things up mm-hmm. further down the lineup um you know if you want someone who can really contribute in the bottom six and kind of slot in there geeky's probably your guy and if you want a mix of those two some with a little more versatility then it's cole in mm-hmm. um it, it just depends on where the team envisions guys playing i i worry that maybe it is donato you know, who gets sent down if he can't hack it at that 
you know, kind of top six, top nine spot with guys. He really has to go earn it. And it shows, uh, you know, how risky this proposition mm-hmm. is of coming back on this roster. Um, I just, I feel like if you wave Cole Lind again, he doesn't make it through waivers this time. No. So I think Geeky might be the guy, if not Donato, Geeky. And, and I look at those two contracts at 1.2 and 1.4 million respectively, maybe you feel like other teams might be scared away by the cap hit. Mm-hmm. And so that's why those guys would go. Cause if it's someone on a very cheap deal, chances are you're not getting them back. Right. So I, yeah. that would be my guess. Yeah. I think that's a really important point is the, the waivers thing. And I think the one contract that is the least desirable is probably the Donato one, because if you're another team, even if you're one of these teams that offered him a higher figure, you're looking at this scenario and going like, well, they didn't want him like yeah what, what happened here you know on? in training camp that, right yeah yeah like those conversations go on you're right in the middle of having just made all your cuts like you know what i mean like in finalizing your roster and, and feeling good about that roster so to then try to, to to then disrupt that after you've just had to make all those tough decisions probably not going to be a super attractive um you know thing for you uh yeah otherwise it's just it's a tough spot. Just looking at this, it's super tough. It's going to be really, really interesting. I think the easy way out is if you just send Shane right back. Like that's the, that's the, okay, everything's good. And you know, maybe, maybe they waited until after development camp to do this Donato deal. Cause maybe they, they were seeing kind of what I was seeing, which is, Hey, you know what? Shane Wright is trying to do a little bit too much. We'll see come training camp, but you know, not, not totally seeing an NHL player here yet. I could see that. And it's one of those things where development camp happens right as the start of free agency is going. I mean, we were there for for both on the same day. Right. And if Shane Wright comes in and lights the world on fire and, and, you know, looks every bit as good as Matty Beneers in dev camp, then, you know, maybe you're looking, okay, there's just no way we bring Donato back. There is not room for him Mm because we know that Shane's going to be here in October. Um, And, you know, nothing against Shane Wright. I think, you know, it's, tough coming into dev camp you know you you don't win the job there you don't lose the job there um but uh yeah i think it's it's a situation where maybe they felt yeah we could use this insurance right exactly and you know who doesn't want to have competitions for roster spots in training camp that's what you want because you're going to get the best out of guys that way so i i you know i think all overall it's a good move by the kraken to have this problem um but yeah it's just it does mean it's going to be unfortunate news for somebody um that mm-hmm. there's just no way around that. You're not going to carry, you know, 15 forwards into a season. You're just not. <laughs> so, um, all right. I, I think that's, that's us talking about Donato. Sorry if it was a little bit more of a downer than people were hoping. I know. I was going to say, are we going to, are we going to hear it? We'll give it again. It's not delivery. It's, it's Donato. Donato. Yes. Uh, there's still lots of upside. Like I said, I mean, there is a chance that he plays with Manny Beniers and that's what works. And Donato is put in a position where he scores 25. You know what I mean? Like, I think, I think Beniers is good enough that anybody who's going to play with him is going to have that potential. Um, so it's, there's, there is still lots of upside and stuff here to talk about. It's just putting on that realist hat. It's, it's rough right now looking at this roster because someone does have to go. And uh, I don't want any of them to go, RJ. They're all our little baby squids. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right. So I think that's going to do it for this episode of The Deep Dive. Uh, had lots of fun. Covered a lot of different stuff here, RJ. Um, 
excited about the moves the Kraken are making, excited for the future. I really do think that this team is in a really good spot, you know, not just this year, but moving forward. We've talked about it a lot, but I do think that it's one of those things that always bears repeating, just that, you know, how bright the future looks for the Kraken, how much better they look than last year, at least on paper, and um, and how bright the future is with with all the prospects and everything that they have. It's just... I'm just very, very happy whenever I sit here with the armchair GM thing and I do, you know, looking past the problem of having too many forwards at this moment, but you start looking at everything that they have as an organization. It's really nice. It, it is. And I'm really, really looking forward to training camp because it's going to sort itself out and we're, we're going to get some great results. Exactly. So um, with that, everybody look forward to more fun August content coming out. We'll have some more videos and stuff that are not podcast related that I'm really looking forward to doing. And then of course, get us your mascot design ideas. Remember that contest. You can, uh, you know, all the links and everything will be in the description below for all that stuff again. Um, but really excited to see what you all can come up with for that. And with that, RJ, I think we're going to say, see you all next time. Mm-hmm.